0: I want to speak this morning about knowing God. It's something that nobody alive is an authority on. And if they tell you that they are, they lied. I just want to speak about knowing God. God is doing a new thing, and people say that all the time, but I really believe it. He's spoken it deep into my heart, the Lord has. He keeps telling me, Clayton, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And if you were here for last week when my dad ministered, he just stood up and talked about God. And there were multiple people, over 40, 50 people, just sitting weeping while he talked. Who's here? Okay. It's hard to describe. Yeah? God is doing something. And we can just move on from there, and we're not trying to recreate anything, not at all. But God just put it in my heart to, to help that land, to help that find a place in our hearts. Like, we never want to define it. That's where we go wrong. I was in a group of leaders quite a while ago, and the question was asked, why do revivals stop? And they all said, because of sin. And I said, nothing, because I didn't want to get in trouble. And um, they said, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, you don't want to know. So <laughs> I said, I think, it, I think it starts because of sin, you know. I said, I think these things end when we start to control and define yeah. and, and institutionalize. And we have to have open hands. He's God. And what I see God doing is he's drawing the hearts of people he's snatching the hearts I long for the power the signs and wonders I've been privileged to just by the grace of God and and it's true it's by the grace of God to see God move in power through us I watched it with my dad I've seen it through us you know you pray for someone they get shot six feet back and all the stuff we ministered like that for many years but over the last year God is doing something in my heart he's invading me you know despite me despite life Life keeps happening. And I'm seeing him do that in many people. And so it's not something I want to define. Who has been experiencing? It's just God invading your heart. Okay, many people. I keep hearing from people. This is the best way I can define it because I don't want to. I just want God. It's the heart. It's not even what he does. I just want him. And so to the best of my ability today, I just want to talk about knowing God. I'm a teacher, I love to teach, I go to the Word, but I'm hoping today is not that, it's just something in the heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, I think it is, Paul says, we are restricted by our own affections. The things that restrict us from all the things we actually long for is the heart. It's not the lack of power, it's not the lack of understanding, sometimes it's the heart. We are restricted by our own affections. It's it's an interesting scripture. Duncan Campbell during the Hebrides revival said this, an awareness of God seemed to be everywhere in the homes, in the meadows and moorlands, in every hamlet and in every village. It wasn't so much about what he did. It was, he says you couldn't escape it. And I see God doing that in people's hearts here in our midst. And so some people I've heard people say, oh God's moving you are in a move of God. But I see him doing it all over. I hear of other churches, other places. God is drawing people again. And it has to be him. Yeah? It has to be him. So, 1 Corinthians 4, I'm going to do my best to go through three points about this, and we'll get there in a moment. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 49, says this. I thank my God always for you, for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him. In all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So you're saved and you have an inner witness. Yeah? Great. Then he says, so that you come short of no gift. There's the gifts. They're wonderful and awesome. Very powerful. They come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a greater revelation of who he is. That word is apocalypsis. That's eagerly awaiting his return. That's what it's saying. Who will also confirm you to the end. That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Day. One day. That's the last day. He says God is faithful. It's true. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. That fellowship, kinonia, is not the fellowship of his son meaning your fellowship with Jesus. It means something It's too radical to explain really. It means... That there's a fellowship that Jesus had with the Father from before the world began. It's the fellowship in the Trinity. It's the fellowship of the Son with the Father. And this is saying, you've been called into that. That's what it actually means in the Greek. You've been called into the fellowship of the Son. I'm including you. You have community with us. I in you and you in me. And that's a heart issue. You've been called. It's a, we have gifts. We have this inner witness. We have all these things that people long for. But you were called into fellowship. This deep part of God. So, John 17, 3 says this. And this is eternal life, Jesus speaking. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Jesus defined eternal life as knowing God. And 1 Corinthians 2, I've thrown up the scriptures, I'm not going to get into it if that's okay, just for the sake of time, as knowing God. But how? How do we know God like that? Because we've been called into this deep place of fellowship that we cannot get into of our own choice. We are so restricted by the world, by our own affections, by many things that no matter how we try at times, it's like you can't shake them. Who knows what I'm talking? Because we're all human. But then God starts to draw your heart. And things start to change. Things just start to change. And in 1 Corinthians 2, he basically says it this way. Go to verse 9. He said, It is written that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Quoting the Old Testament. And people say, well, you know, his ways are higher than our ways and we don't understand. But that's Old Testament thinking. Because it says then, verse 10, But God has now revealed them to us. What? What I could not see, what ear could not hear. He it has revealed them to us. How? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things. Whose translations say thoughts? The thoughts. Thank you. Someone's got a real Bible. Awesome. Even so, no one knows the thoughts or the deep things of God except the Spirit of God. We have been invited and called into a deep place of fellowship for which Jesus gave us this person, the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God knows the deep, deep things, even the thoughts of God Himself. And we are called to know God that way. The Bible in Psalms talks about His deep, calling to your deep. It's so much more than going to church. It's so much more than even when you get saved. It's the deep things of God calling into the deep things of your own heart. And then to live there, to dwell there, to have communion there, to start to think different. But the Lord asked me a question about a year ago. When the Lord asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. I was driving in my car and I was just worshipping and praising. God is just invading my heart. My wife will tell you, it's changed me. Really, it's changed me, friends. I've ministered for so long, 15 years I've been in ministry. But something God has changed. It's changed the way I see my wife, my kids. It's something God's doing deep inside of people. And I see it all over. So I'm driving in my car and I'm just worshipping. And the Lord, so loud in my heart, in a sense, in my head, He said this, exactly this, because I wrote it down. Why is it, Clayton, why is it that my people so quickly become enamored with the tools I give them to reveal me more than they are enamored with me. And it broke my heart. I felt like a deep sadness, like his heart. And I pulled over and I just wept. People drove past, thought I was crazy. I couldn't drive. You know, when you become undone by God. And quickly he started to take me through, just in my own mind, it's always been like that. It's always been like that. Adam had this incredible fellowship with God. It's an incredible trust relationship. Like a kid, well this is not a big enough stage. Like a kid jumps off the stage before the fear center kicks in. They just jump whether you're ready or not. It's this deep trust and Adam had that until the enemy lied to him. God's holding back and so he chose knowledge. He chose something that God can give instead of the Lord. And you see it repeated all through history. God gave the law through Moses. Moses. What was the law? It was supposed to reveal the very nature and character of God and that you need Christ, that you can't do it. It was pointing to Christ. They became so enamored with what God had given to reveal him that when Christ came, they couldn't see him. They became so trapped in their knowledge. You know, it's like God experts. You know, like I know him. I know everything. They couldn't see him. It became so unaware of his presence when Christ came near, all they could do was argue. The heart had grown completely hard by something that God had given to reveal him. Today I see it in the church. I see it everywhere I saw it in my own life for many years. I, I really did. Through gifts, through titles, through whatever God gives, even gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, sometimes we exalt this one or whatever. We fall in love, almost we worship the tools that God has given to reveal Him. And in doing so, sometimes we forget Him. We long for the gifts, we long for stuff. But He says, yes, I'll do all of that. But the call is to me, is to know me. And what my dad did last week, he came up here and spoke about that. The call that God has on every single one of us. For some, I've seen them get, and please... Hear my heart. I love the word. If you know me for five seconds, I don't have to justify. But people fall in love with the scripture instead of God. That's how you get to know him. It's the greatest tool you get yet when he comes. There's no sense of God in their heart. They become so in the knowledge and in the intellect. No, he's given you his spirit. That's how you know the deep things of God. In your spirit. And he's called us to know him like that. He really has. For some, it's leadership or whatever it is. But I see God doing something new. He really is doing something new. I wrote this. When we start to worship the tools, we forget the giver. When we worship the giver, you become his tool. It's absolutely true. You become. He doesn't give you something that you can use. He picks you up and uses you. And the Lord said to me many years ago, I was working in my shop, and you've heard me say this before, and I had two tools and I had to put one down. And as I put one down, the Lord said, son, that's what I cannot do with many people. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? Uh, You know, just all in your heart, so quick. It happened so quick. He said, some people, they are not secure in how I see them. They're not secure in who I am. They're not secure in a relationship. And that feeling of like when God puts you down is they fall apart and because of his love, but he's doing a project that we can't see the bigger picture. So he picks you up and God uses you powerfully. He says, I need to put you over there. Now I need this too. And this person's life falls apart. So because of that, he can't pick them up to start with. It's the lack of relationship. It's the lack of the calling of knowing God. Are you with me? So, three points on knowing God. Number one, the surpassing value of relationship. It's difficult for Western thinkers. It it genuinely is. We want to define everything, and everything must be like so. The Bible was not written like that. The Bible was first experienced. Then it was understood. Then it was written down. Westerners go, we're going to read and understand everything, and then we're going to tell God how to do it to us, and then we're going to understand it and explain it to others, as if we're in charge. It's not like that. Philippians 3, verse 3 to 11, uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but just this one part, Paul speaking, he says, more than that, I count all things to be the loss. What things he's talking about is he talks about his stock. He talks about his heritage. I was a Jew like this. And there's this high, people don't realize that Paul was going to become like the next Gamaliel. He was way beyond any of the other Pharisees. And I've got lots of teaching on that from when he was a little boy. His father actually sent him away to be trained because he could no longer school him. He was brilliant in thought and in mind. He was sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. Everyone looked to them. He was, they were looking to him as their next great high priest. And then God turned his heart. It was a horror to them. And all that stuff that he had, he says this, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. And that word knowing is that same, that deep call to know him. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish. My dad said this last week, that word rubbish is dung. You can think of other words for that. Okay? I count them as dung. Why? So that I may gain Christ. He's saying this as a saved person, meaning what? He's not talking about salvation. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. And people stop there and say, righteousness. And I love the message of righteousness. And it's so important that we have his righteousness. We are right with God. All those things, our identity, a robe of righteousness. But what's the point of even that? He says, which comes from God. Why? So that I may know him. Everything so that I may know him. So that I may know him. So that I may know him. Everything was about relationship. There was a surpassing value in Paul's heart that surpassed everything. It's like a person in ministry and who's world famous. And God's doing great things. And God's doing wonderful things. But they forget him. Yeah? we all A person who's excelling in business. God's blessing them. And they forget him. People ride, they can ride that for a long time. And then they suddenly realize there's something missing. There's something missing. When we have tasted of God in this way, everything else loses its flavor. And I'm trusting, I know that God is doing this in many of your own hearts already. My prayer today is that God would start to snatch the affections of your heart. And let me say to you, friends, when he starts to do that, it's inconvenient because it's a difficult thing to explain. I'm trying to explain it now, and it's still difficult. I've been trying to speak to my wife, honestly, for about a year to explain what God's doing in my heart. And I haven't yet been able to do it, you know? But I'm, cry, I cry. I wish I had the ability, I don't, to just lay a hand on someone and say, God, do in them. Not power to grab their heart like you've grabbed my heart. I can't do that. But that's my heart for you, for every one of you. Because after that, everything changes. But let me tell you, everything loses its flavor. The world is not interesting to you at all anymore. And that can actually be difficult. You know, you're out, you're having fun, everyone's having fun, and they look at you and you look serious. It's not because you're mad, you just really want to be with him. And it sounds super spiritual, but it becomes real to you your relationship becomes that's all you think it's just I want God I want him not what he does not his benefits all that yes I just want him you know how many times I've said Lord you can have I don't mean to make people feel insecure I know God's called me to lead this church but if he takes it friends I just want him it's his it's not mine because he becomes your great reward. He becomes your everything. I am his, and he is mine. He becomes, it's all you want, is him. And as soon as you have a chance, everything that used to be a discipline becomes a desire. Cannot wait to pray. Cannot wait to get in his word. Because you start to read the word, and it's so different to you. You're like, oh wow, he's doing that. And oh wow, it's not just discipline. Discipline is really important, but it's a very low form of discipleship. Love. Is what he wants. And only he can do that. And people say, well, when you say only he can do that, then I don't know what to do. Ask him. You know how many times, how many years, whenever I say, God, give me a love for you again. Grab my heart. Invade my life. Just that. Over and over. And he starts to do it. And he starts to turn the affections of your heart. And he starts to suddenly give you grace for what you no longer you just never had grace for. You look at people different. Things change. Only God can change your heart. You know the word presence in the Old Testament? Panaim? It actually means face. God's face. It comes from a root word, "panah," Which means what? To turn. When you get in the presence of the one who made you and only him can turn your heart inside out and left to front and upside down. It's his presence that does it. It's proximity to your creator. And there's this original call that you begin to feel. That's who I really am. And it begins to change you from the inside out. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes is that people. How do I explain this? I'm going to go off the notes here. I just Holy Spirit leading me to say this. I've seen this again and again and again on the earth. Please hear me. And I'm not thinking or speaking about any of you. You're all perfect and amazing. So every one of you, right? So I've seen again and again there's these people that they've met God. It's what I'm talking about and more. They met God. They know Him personally, intimately. And God reveals truth to them. And they come up with like this doctrine, and it's beautiful, and it's setting people free. But it, what's behind it is this depth of genuine relationship. Then the second generation, either their kids or the next generation that comes after them, they love God, they save, safe, but they haven't met him like that. And so they take his doctrine and everything he taught and they teach it and it becomes death. Because there's certain things and statements that can cause legalism and incredible death where it once brought life. And it brought life because the love of God was there. So when a person just wants to be with God, they say, pray like this and go to him like this. It's helpful because the desire and how do I, what do I, and so people that are there, they help you and you can feel the momentum. Then you have a person that gets saved, they don't know anything, they ex-drug addict, they whatever. That was me. That's why I say that. Something. And they're just starting to understand God loves them. And someone well-meaning comes and says, you've got to do this and do this and do this. All this doctrine. Wah, and it just kills them. It's the relationship that makes that stuff. Oh, I understand. And so everything that is started birthed by God in power and in love. 30 years, 40 years down the road, it's death and it's dead. (laughs) Amen. That was so exciting. So, so, yeah. The greatest privilege of the cross is actually not heaven. The greatest privilege of the cross is getting to know God. Because Jesus defined it as eternal life. Friends, this may sound crazy, wish I could get out to the cross. What is God like? Don't give me a scripture, although you need the scripture to know Him. What's He like to you? What, what's His heart like? What's He like? People in the Bible, before they had this, they knew Him. Adam walked with God. Noah walked with God. It says Enoch walked with God 300 years. Noah also says walked with God. They didn't have this pursuit of our Creator this pursuit of God, of the person. Before I know all the stuff, saved heaven, before all of that, what's he like? And do you know him? That's what I'm talking about. And God begins to draw. And he says, I want to show you who I am. I've called you into the fellowship that I have with my own son. That's Christianity. It's very exciting. Even with gifts, Ephesians 4, I'm going to read you quickly something with gifts, and there's so much in this text, Ephesians 4, it's a well-worn text, Uh, I just want to pull out one thing, one thing, there's much I could teach on, one point out of this, Ephesians 4, 1 says, actually let's go to verse 4, Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, great, That is awesome. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Who knows this text? Most of you, right? Well-worn text. Now this, all he does now is explain what he means by ascended. This he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's where he is now, seated. Then he says this, and he gave some. Now he's talking about the gifts that he's talking about. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know the scripture. There's one thing that I want to give out, one thing that I want to pull out when it says this. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. This desire, this surpassing value of relationship. He's quoting Psalm 68. Yet that's not what Psalm 68 says. Psalm 68 says this. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men. Yeah, he says you gave gifts to men. It says you received. The King James says you received gifts for men, but that's actually... It's you have received gifts from men, among men. What's going on? Why the difference? It's an incredible truth that I'm hoping God puts into your heart. This is talking about when the Israelites escaped from Egypt. That represents our? Well done, all four of you. So when the Israelites escaped from Egypt, that represents our? Well done, all 24 of you. When they escaped, what happened? The Bible says they were enriched with Egypt's wealth, right? They got gold and silver. They were greatly enriched. It's like us. We get saved and we have these gifts. They're given. They're in seed form. Some people don't believe they exist, so they do nothing with them. But you have them. They're in you. And sometimes they come and go, but these ones, it's like they're in you. You're born with this, these gifts that he gives. But then he comes to the Israelites and he says, those things I gave you, I want them back. That's what he said. He said, but only those who are willing to give it. I want them back. I want the gold, the silver. I want it back. Why? I want to melt it down, and I want to form a tabernacle so that I can dwell. Here he's saying this. Paul is talking about this very process. He's saying he gave gifts to men, and people celebrate the gifts. Look at me, a mighty apostle. Look at me, i an evangelist. And then God comes and says, you want heaven on earth, son? Well, in heaven they lay their crowns down. Give me back the gift. When God touches your heart like that, none of that matters anymore. You say, God, you can take it. Everything I have from you, it's all from you anyway. And there's this open hand. And you say, God, it's yours. And then the heaven touches that. And melts it down and forms it into something that he can dwell in a completely different way. That's what Paul's talking about. God gives you something. And then he sometimes says, if you want to, you can give it back. It's called trust. And you give it back. And he says, okay, now I'm going to change it. Now I'm going to put heaven on it. It was already powerful. It was already awesome. But now it's going to be about the heart. Now it's not a tool that you have. Now you're going to be my tool. And I'm going to invade your life. And you get to host God's presence in a different way. (laughs) Amen. Muzzle tough. That was awesome. (laughs) It's true, friends. When he becomes more precious to us than any gift or any benefit, we hold loosely what you once fought for. It's you, God, give me, let's do this stuff, God. Anoint me, God. Touch me, God. And okay, son, and here's this gift, and do this, and I'm going to give you wealth. And then he invades your heart. And all of a sudden, you love him more than anything he's ever given you. And he says, hey, son, can you give that back? And then he touches that. Whole different world. Whole different world, Friends whole different world. Deep calls to deep. The move of God's spirit, point number two. Go back to the beginning. People have a lot of thoughts when you talk about the move of God's spirit. I do believe we are in a move of God, but it is beginning and it's growing and it's only going to get stronger. And I'm hoping this is helping you. And for some, I'm hoping that you think, I don't know what he's talking about. I actually hope that so that in the next coming months, When God invades your life, you can say, oh, I understand. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Some translations say hovered. It's actually better translated moved. That is the first move of God. It says it, and the Spirit of God moved. That word moved means this to grow soft. To grow soft. To relax. My dad used to say for so many years, and now I understand it God will move when people are at rest. And not, and God, you know, when you relax. And only he can do that to a person's heart. In the Hebrew dictionary, to be moved or affected means to be moved or affected with a feeling of deep love. Love that only God can put there. To be moved or affected with fear to the point of being trembling and terrified. When someone who doesn't know God comes face to face with God, like Paul did, that happens. Saying, God, who are you? And his authority. And to brood over young ones. Whenever God moves, and I, I mean this, whenever God moves, it's always about the heart. We look at everything else. God's doing this over there. People are getting out of wheelchairs. That's awesome. But there's something behind that. And that's what God's after. Whenever there's a move of God, whatever you think that means, because we all different. It's always about the heart. Always. Always, always. The Holy Spirit, unfortunately, is greatly misunderstood. Now, I'm wondering if I should take the time to do this. Okay, great. The Holy Spirit, friends, is Himself God. People say, no, He is God. The first seven words, the first verse of the Bible, Resha'ith in the Hebrew, Resha'ith Elohim Eth. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth Elohim first word for God it's God plural El means God El Shaddai El Elyon El Gibor God, God Almighty God Holy that's God El is God and it's the singular is Elohe and that's that's the Elohim Elo, that the H is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet it's He it means grace and M is like, it's not so simple for the Hebrew scholars, you're going to cringe when I say this. The M is like your S, it makes it plural. The first word for God in the Bible is triune God, full of grace, God three in one, God. God the Father, God the Son, I've put up there each time where the word just L is used in reference to each one. The Holy Spirit himself, he is God. He is God. He really, really is. And the age of the church is the age of the Holy Spirit. It's what we have been given. It's who we have been given himself for us to know fellowship, for us to walk with him. And people don't know, what do you mean when to walk by the Spirit? To walk by the Spirit is actually an extreme form of submission. Who's prayed, Lord, let your kingdom, let your, you know, heaven on earth? Who, who longs for that? Who's prayed that? Who believes that God is invading? okay. How? In heaven, what happens? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everyone likes the on earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen? When his will is done as it's done there. And that can be extremely legalistic. But when God starts to turn your heart, you're like, yes, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And it says, Noah walked with God. Adam walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Then the law came. You don't see that again. Then the New Testament, Christ comes and he says, walk by the Spirit who is himself God. Do we understand what we've been given access to? That we can walk with God. It's it's amazing, this relationship that we've been invited into. Another thing people don't understand about the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to maybe react to this, but let me finish it before you panic. The Holy Spirit himself... Is not shaking, crying, falling. That's not him. That's the effects of him on flesh. But he himself is sane and solid and stable and secure and peaceful and powerful and constant. He is kind. He, he's just like Jesus was. He was he's not ah! and blah, 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 and, and uh, that, he, he doesn't do that. That's not him. Sorry, I didn't catch Yeah, yeah, sorry, he didn't want me to do it again. Uh, there we go. Friends, we have to distinguish because as soon as you say Holy Spirit, people think that. That's not him. That's what happens to you when he comes. When he comes, really comes. But he himself is sane. Solid, stable. He's God. He really is God. And then, unfortunately, people say, "Well, you know, if you've been in the charismatic church for a long time, you'll know what I'm talking about." Well, you know, you you moved wrong. Oh, uh, he left. <laughs> I hear people say that. Oh, you talk too loud. Oh, he just he's out. He left. <laughs> Friends please hear my heart on this he is God when Jesus walked on the earth people would shout, spit they would spit a lot, spit, scream, crying kids, fighting, there was crowds the anointing was constant it flowed regardless it's like we make him so delicate like he's going to run he's God wow, I can feel him He's gone. no you're gone. He's not gone. <laughs> when the glory of God left the temple, actually let me say, I've got to finish this point because I can feel it in my heart. People talk of the Holy Spirit as a dove because the Bible says that one time. It says it four times, but it's four, the same account. It says it one time. You know, he's going to fly away. Please hear me. He is referenced in scripture as wind, as fire, as power, most of the time. As water, living water. It's as if if you've ever stepped into a raging river. I'm talking raging river. Your feet don't even hit the sand and you're gone. (laughs) And it's like we think we can control him. And we can tell him. It's like you can walk into that river, and swim upstream until the current changes. He is God. And when he comes in his own way, nothing you do, you can stop it for you. You can quench him for you. But you can't stop God. You can't stop him. The Spirit of God left the temple, and I don't really have time to get into this, but he basically left the temple in Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel saw vision 10 and 11, and he left in stages. Uh, and I wish I had time to teach on it, but I don't. But he left in stages. And one of the commentators, Ossie Sproul, and who, some of you know him and others, they say it, when he, he was in the temple, and then he hovered above the temple. This is what Ezekiel saw. And then he left and he went to uh, the inner court and he paused. Then he went to the threshold of the court and he paused. Then he went to the east gate and he paused. Then he went to further east. He just went straight out to the Mount of Olives and he paused. And the commentators say it's as if he was turning to the Israelites, to the Hebrew people saying, will you have me? Because for centuries they had been involved in pagan worship and there was a belief in Jeremiah and Ezekiel's day, that God was confined to the temple. He couldn't leave the temple like a pagan God. He was confined to the temple. So this pr- prophetic people were coming. The Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to say, well, God's there. So we can get on with what we want to do, and we can get on with worshiping and the idols and doing all this stuff. But if people come to Jerusalem, while well, God's there. So God says, I will not be confined. You don't tell me I am God. I am God Almighty. So he left. <laughs> I'm not confined. We box God so quickly. But he said this when he was leaving, as he's hovered above the gate. He, says, he basically says, I'll come back. And he says, when I come back, I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit in them. I will take the stony heart. I'll give them a heart of flesh. That's not the flesh nature. I'm going to make it soft. What does the move of God do? The word move is to make soft. He says, when I come, I'm going to make soft. I'm going to take your heart. I'm going to turn your heart inside out. So we read, that happened in Acts chapter 2. We read Acts chapter 2 and we see fire and tongues and... But their hearts in the scripture were turned inside out. That's what was going on behind the scenes. We can't see that. It's their heart. And so we have this thing... Well, the Holy Spirit, he runs away. We have to beg him to, God, move, God, please, God. The Bible teaches the opposite. When he came in Acts 2, it says he came suddenly and as a rushing wind. But he leaves slowly. Because he longs for fellowship with you. And just don't tell him what to do. I mean it, friends. We, We... We don't get to do that. He's the God of the heart, not methods and formula. Please hear me. There was a third point. I'll just say it quickly. We become, as people in general, not you, not, I'm not. People become familiar with God. It's like they become God experts. I I really mean that. That's what happened in Ezekiel's day. Well, we know God. Friends, I've heard it. Jesus, even when he taught on wine, wine meaning the, the flow of God's spirit, yeah? When he taught on wine, he said, anyone who's had wine before says, I prefer the old. When God wants to bring new wine, can you pass me that wineskin? This is a wineskin. Okay, it's a cheap one, but it's great. It works. This is a wineskin. What would happen is i would put wine in here, and as it would ferment, as the potency would increase, it would expand, and then it would stay that size. And that wine would be in there. So he's saying if you put new wine into an old wineskin, as it grows in power and as it grows in strength, it's going to break it because it's already expanded. It's not soft. It's not flexible. It's not supple. So God says, I'm going to come a new way. And you have people with good meaning hearts. They've experienced revival. And so they... (laughs) well when God comes it's going to be like this and then this will happen and then the spirit of God and then he'll do this and then I want you to pray like this and then you must stand like this they're like experts on the move of the spirit and it's like they're waiting for the baton they're waiting for God to come but the Bible says when I do a new thing you do not perceive it he says and I'm going to do it from the desert and from the wasteland it's not going to come the same way so people they long for that again and God is going to do, He's doing now. He really is, friends. Because a move of God will always start with a heart. And God is doing something like that again. I'm cautioning you, I'm asking you. Don't tell everyone what it's going to be. Don't define things. Don't let God be God. Because we're like, oh, when He comes, oh He's going to fall, and then this, and then you're going to feel like this, and so then raise your hand, and then you must pray like this, but not like that, and you, blah 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 blah. blah. God says, "I do a new thing, not you. I." It's like we become familiar. Am I making sense? Yeah. I encourage you, even with our identity, Jesus in the same parable talked about cloth. We get a robe of righteousness. And Jesus said, when I give you a piece of cloth, you can't take the old one and add it to the new. People say, well, God's doing, I'm just going to add Jesus to what I already have. I'm going to add him to my life, like a patch. Because when you get saved, your identity is a new robe. It's how they used to identify people, warriors and worshippers that had different robes and priests. You become a son with a robe of righteousness. People say, I'm just going to add Jesus to what I'm doing. Jesus says, it doesn't work like that. I become your life. I am your life. <laughs> Simple message: to know God, knowing God, to really know Him, there's a surpassing value, is the relationship. to taste and see that He is good. The deep of God calls to the deep in you. That's what He wants to do. The surpassing value is the relationship. Everything else flows from that. Everything else. Science, wonders, power, everything. The move of God will always come to the heart. Always. 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 He even said it. When I come, I'm going to turn. My dad read testimonies last week. Charles Finney and another one. Most of you are here, when he said what? When the Spirit of God came upon them. It wasn't he threw me up. They said, my heart turned to liquid inside of me. That's what the Bible says says, when I come, I'm going to turn your heart to liquid. I'm going to make what is hard, soft. I'm going to shed abroad, Romans 5. I'm going to pour into your heart the love of God. And you're going to love people. You're going to think about yourself different. You're going to love your kids different. You're going to think about your job different. I'm going to pour into your heart. Because I'm a God of the heart. Not a God of methods. Not a God of formula. I want your heart. And don't become a God expert. (laughs) Remain humble. Remain a novice. Remain God only you know.